This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's really easy to use, you guys. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. He's the dude, you know what I'm saying? Nicole and Jamal. For the Warriors, what does a successful season look like? Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nicole Jokic, that's your starting front line. I'd say that they had very expensive taste. You're listening to the Chicken Nuggets Podcast. For real. I am here with Kendra Andrews on this week's episode of the Chicken Nuggets Grilled. Kendra, what is up? It's so good to catch up with you. I cannot I believe you left us so kind of fast. Like you were only here for a year, right? Yeah, I was there for like a year and a half. And it feels it feels like way longer. Like people will be like, well, you covered the Nuggets for a couple years. And I'm like, well, mm. not quite, but it felt Maybe because that one season was just so long, it felt like longer. Right. And like, because of the delay, you know, it probably right. you covered more because the bubble feels like its own season in itself. Totally. It, it kind of was, I feel like it had its whole own situation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Kendra's not new to the chicken nuggets. She used to co-host with me and we used to do a bunch of fun episodes and laugh our asses off all the time and now she's moved on to bigger and better things tell us what are you what are you doing now exactly because I see your videos and I, I watched your guys's um I watched your feed last night instead of oh, cool. the Nuggets feed yeah because uh, I like to mix it up you know yeah it's always good yeah I um moved back home to the Bay Area and now I'm covering the Warriors for NBC Sports Bay Area so I do writing I co-host the dubs talk podcast and then I'll hop on the pre and post game shows every now and again and so yeah it's a very multimedia faceted job yeah well kind of like what we all are doing these days and stuff but it's awesome that you get to be back at home like near your parents are you with your parents right now or did you already just get your own place and move on in no I moved I spent like two weeks with them when I first moved back as my furniture was delivered and then as soon as my furniture got there I was like okay I love you guys but I cannot live with you especially especially during COVID when everyone's working from home and everyone's on zoom calls and it's like I can hear my dad in the kitchen on his zoom call And I'm trying to record something, but he's trying to talk to someone. And it's just like, and my mom's downstairs on her Zoom call and everyone can hear each other. It's like, okay, I'm gonna move on. But I go, I try and see them a good amount. They're very excited to have me back. So I try and see them a good amount. (laughs) 
Yeah, I can imagine. And I mean, so much fun to be back at your own place with your old friends and stuff like that. The bass, so much fun. Um, I bet it's changed a lot, though. Uh, for listeners who don't know, I lived in the Bay Area. Um, actually, tw- 2013, 14-ish. Mm-hmm. And um, just miss Kendra, I guess. We just missed each other, but we found her later in life. So it's all good. Um, <laughs> But now my sister lives out there and I like want to go out there and visit you guys, but I bet it's so much different. Is it changed yeah. a lot since you've been back or what's I, the difference? I think so. Well, it's funny because I remember this like tangent, but not tangent. I remember like last year, the Nuggets were supposed to play the Warriors in March and I was going to go and you were going to go and we were both so excited. And then the season got postponed and we never got to do our San Francisco trip together. But it's so weird because like I've never been an adult in the Bay Area because I left when I was 18 to go to school and I went to school in Washington and so now like I never did adult things and now like I still don't do adult things because everything's Shut down. closed or you know like outside only which is like it's getting nice out but still kind of cold because it's San Francisco um but it's so it's been fun but I don't do a lot <laughs> like I'm pretty boring I yeah. like to just like sit on my couch when I'm not <laughs> working <laughs> right when we're not watching hours and hours of basketball that is exactly exactly <laughs> what neighborhood are you kind of in if you don't mind yeah so I'm in the mission district which <laughs> is where all the good food is so like yeah. li- my sister texted me the other day she's like how often do you order food in and I was like well I try and limit it to like once a week but it's really like three times a week because there's just so much food and I like it's just better than anything I can cook myself yeah no I loved the mission I worked near the mission I was mm. yeah right on the edge um and so I would often like eat out when I was at work and stuff it's too hard there's too many good places too many good choices yes so different options yeah well now I definitely have to come so yes you can eat all this food <laughs> you can come stay with me yeah, that would be <laughs> so fun. Well, um, outside of just being backed in, into that area of town and everything, obviously we have some pressing news to talk about. Kendra on, is on this episode because the Nuggets just got done playing the Golden State Warriors last night. And while Steph had a really great night of his own, it was a very like polar opposite situation. Totally. It's going into their post game. I'm sure you guys were like, hyped up and excited for stuff and we were like it's the end times (laughs) (laughs) it was yeah it was so it was so weird because like every like everyone felt or at least everyone who's covering the warriors there just felt like just this dichotomy of like yeah it was super exciting that Steph became the all-time leading scorer and scored 53 points and it was like but it's it's really hard to be fully happy when like you know that yeah Jamal Murray was and like even though his diagnosis wasn't out like you knew it wasn't good like yeah and so it was it was very weird like like talking about all the positives that Steph was happening but knowing what was going on in the other locker room and I think you know is the Warriors did a very good job of acknowledging that and like you know Steve Kerr started his press conference by talking about that all the guys he spoke made sure that they sent their best wishes to to Jamal because it's 
because I mean, the Warriors have, have their own experiences with ACL injuries and just injuries in general. So it's, it's not, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could imagine. And I thought this, that Steve Kerr, I mean, he always is pretty on top of that stuff and, and everything. I know there was a little bit of maybe like controversy or people thought like Steph's reaction on the court was uh, not good, but I think he was just like annoyed with the fact that there was a foul there at the end of the game or that there was a stop of the game there. And then when he realized he, it was an actual injury, he got down on one knee. You could see him kind of mm-hmm. behind from the camera angle I had. So, you know, um, all, I mean, I think a lot of players in the NBA have been really supportive of Jamal today and uh, just devastating for the franchise as a whole, because Jamal is such a big part of it. And after the bubble, it just feels like he's just the heart of the team. He brings up, he's one of the only guys who really talks about some of the social issues going on in the world. Um, He had that incredible interview about his shoes and just what they represented to him. And he just fights and you could see him last night's situation is an exact example of him being that warrior, that fighter, because he's in a game for 33 minutes after injury and he's playing the last 58 seconds that was so annoying that that's when it happened it did like all of the circumstances just make it like that much more frustrating it's like there's less than a minute left Mm -hmm. it was a no contact injury it's like all he just got back from that other injury so it's just like all of these things stacking up that just makes it that much more brutal and like he had finally like from the bubble like you mentioned up until now had finally been coming into like his own in the league you know he was like finally establishing himself and like making a name for himself and you know becoming in my opinion like becoming the true second half of the Jokic Jamal duo because I feel like yeah they've been the best two players for Denver for a while now but Jamal was finally like being like, okay, yes, this is an actually like a threatening duo. And, you know, ever since the trade deadline, the Nuggets have just been on such a tear. And it's, it's really, really unfortunate. Yeah, I actually had a whole totally different intro plan for today's podcast. (laughs) How does it feel leaving a champion, a team that's headed somewhere, you know, and (laughs) Nuggets have been so awesome. And the Warriors are waiting for Clay to come back before making another run here. But, uh, you know, just jokingly, it was going to intro with that. And then the <laughs> Mal Murray injury happened. I'm like, well, um. you know, it's funny is I actually joked with someone about that last night, like before the injury, when it was looking pretty good that the Warriors were going to win, someone from the Warriors PR team would just stop by to check in on all of us. And he was like, how's it going? I was like, it's going well. It's like, how is it seeing your old, your old guys? And I was like, you know, it's, well, it's good. I didn't get to pop into the pregame press conference, but like, maybe I'll go in post game. I don't know. Like everything's good. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm no regrets taking this job, but it is kind of nice that the team that I left that team to cover is beating the old team. Like, it's just, it's just kind of fun. But then when Jamal got injured, it was like, well, this isn't, this sucks. Like this isn't fun. <laughs> like, like, especially cause I got to know him a little bit. Like you were talking about just like how good of a person he is. It's like, no yeah 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we experienced a lot of moments with Jamal there courtside and stuff where he joked with us about the yeah. whatever he hit me. Did he, were you sitting with me when he hit me with the ball one time? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, like no, catch it. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, why didn't you guys catch that? I'm like, I'm in the middle of filming, but whatever. And right. There's lots of fun moments. We were there when he found out about Kobe, which by the way, somebody who listens to the chicken nuggets, like found a photo of, and it's you and me it's on the internet and we're like, I'm like this or something. And you're like, and it's like <laughs> us getting the Kobe news for the first time, mouths oh open, like shocked. Oh my God. And sent it to me and I was like, oh, I, cause they asked me where was I on the day when we celebrated the year anniversary yeah. of his passing. They were like, do you know where you were? And I was like, yeah, I was at Pepsi center. And they were like, do you know who you were with? And I was like, I don't actually, I'm trying to think about it, you know, right, and right. like, I know I was courtside, but I don't remember who I was with. I remember seeing Jamal's reaction and Will's reaction on the court. And um, then he sent me that picture and I was like, that's a little weird, but right. <laughs> you know, but it's us like total shock. If you have it, you'll have to send it to me. I'm very curious. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I will send it to you. Maybe I'll make it the cover of this podcast. This oh episode. man. <laughs> like us and similar, similar feelings of just like, you're kidding yeah. me, right? <laughs> yeah yeah Matt Moore is showing us his phone and we're reading the TMZ tweet and as soon as I saw the picture I was like that's where I was yeah that's yeah it. I remember it's all coming back to me now yeah, yeah. We, I mean we got to cover a lot of really interesting times together moments such as the shutdown the, um, mm-hmm. that was weird and we were like hanging out randomly only in public and far away from all humans and trail yeah. we couldn't get on a trail for like oh my ever. god I tell people that story forever for like all the time I tell people that because they're like oh do you like hiking and I was like honestly no because this one time me and my friend Jenna went on a hike in Denver and my f- other friend told us that it was like oh it's a beginner's hike and like four hours later we're lost and a guy on a horse do you remember like that guy on a horse comes up and he's like are you guys lost and we're like why are you on a horse? <laughs> like, yeah, no, we're fine. Don't follow us. Anyway. I know. I know. And your poor dog was like dying of thirst. <laughs> yes. Because we thought it was like this easy, like, oh, we'll just go for like a stroll in the, in the mountains. Hike, hey. oh my God. And then we'll go get some food, which is what we really wanted to do the whole day. <laughs> right. I haven't been on a hike. No, no, I have, but I haven't been on a big hike since then. <laughs> Yeah, well, you won't find any big hikes out in San Francisco to be. No, they're all pretty manageable. Yeah, I when I was living out there, I had a friend who invited me on a hike, and they called it like something peak, but it had the word peak in it, and I was like, yeah. okay, like Pikes Peak. I grew up near there. Pikes Peak, yeah. a big mountain. Okay, we get there. It's not a mountain. It's not a peak. no, 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 no. It's like a hill with like a trail. Oh, is it a Twin Peaks? No, it be Twin Peaks. Oh no, okay. it was Twin Peaks. No, yeah. it was like south. It was kind of on its on your way to San Jose. Okay, so. yeah, but I mean, yeah, the hikes here are like you can't get lost on them. Yeah, at all, like at Very all. City, actually, <laughs> Twin Peaks is in the middle of the city. It is. It is. Well, someone asked. Someone's like, "Do you want to hike Twin Peaks?" And I was like, "Yeah," and it was like up a flight of stairs okay (laughs) I don't know but okay right right but I mean you can hike anywhere in San Francisco because I mean there's so many streets that it's so hard to get up if you have heels on 
don't even try. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's so many things you're enjoying out there, but like I was saying, you and I have enjoyed some very funny and fun and crazy moments in the NBA since both of us have started our careers. But um, I want to know what's been the craziest thing you've covered there in San Francisco since covering. Oh man, what's the craziest thing? Well, well, okay. I think Definitely nothing as crazy as that year in Denver, because as you kind of mentioned, some of the things like the shutdown, Kobe's death, the two, three, one comebacks, like the, the, like all of just the craziness that went on this summer with protests and police brutality. So nothing, I don't, I, I, I honestly don't think that anything will ever like match the craziness that was in Denver. Um, but most of that was like, well, I guess some of it was basketball related, but like most of the stuff this year has been more on court craziness. So I think the craziest things, there is one stretch, um, in February, I think it was, and the Warriors were playing back to back in Charlotte and then somewhere else on the east coast I can't quite remember but the night before brutal loss like last couple seconds super disappointing worst loss of the season everyone's mad 24 hours later like they almost won Draymond got a tech like got ejected the last like five seconds of the game it was like a tie score or like they were up two and Draymond gets ejected. So then the Hornets get to shoot two free throws and get the ball and then they end up winning. And like, so that was pretty crazy just in terms of like the emotions at that point. Um, I think covering James Wiseman's rookie season has been, I don't know if it's been wild, but it's definitely been busy, but not in like the very different busy than like LaMelo Ball's rookie mm-hmm. year, just in terms of like, he hasn't well now he's we don't he's out indefinitely with the his meniscus tear but just in terms of like he was injured and then he was in COVID protocols and then he got injured again and like everyone's saying that they should have drafted Lamelo and like he's down on himself but I don't know but those have been and then and then I think if Jamal hadn't gotten injured last night that probably would have been like the most exciting thing I've covered Mm. Um, just because like that was it was looking to be such like the win of the season like not only did the Warriors who are really struggling not only did they beat one of the best teams in the league but they did it without their starting center um, without their starting shooting guard against a full Nuggets roster and they did it like convincingly too. Like they, like they got under the Nuggets skin yeah. and, and Steph. Steph did. Yeah. And Steph, I mean, thank God for Steph for that one. Steph went off for 53 and he got the all time scoring franchise record. So I think if, if Jamal hadn't gone injured, that would have been like, and, and if there were fans in the stands, that would have been like such an exhilarating moment. Um, but <laughs> it, it took a turn. So definitely different wild things nothing's like completely erupted yet which is kind of nice honestly after the last year 
Right. Yeah. Because there was a lot of craziness when you think about everything that we covered from, I think the first day we met was actually when we signed Jeremy Grant. I think so too. Yeah. Sat at that press conference together Yes. at Pepsi Center back in the day when we could be in person. Right. Crazy. That feels like another world ago, to be honest. It does. I, what is it like, what's it like having fans back at Pepsi Center? Because they're allowing them back at Chase on the 23rd, but like, what's it, what's it like there? Yeah, I was going to ask, when does that happen? Because I noticed you guys have them still, but it honestly was, I mean, it was awesome to hear booing and cheering and chanting the, but the rest of it was still kind of so weird because we still do our job from a distance, you know, we're still doing it via Zoom, uh, press conferences, we're still not down in the room, like, or even talking to each other, really. I get to talk to the one guy that's kind of near me, but <laughs> right. out and yell, you know, for him to hear me. And um, so I don't really enjoy going to games yet again, but I'm right. sure fans do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting to me, like, just seeing how all the different organizations are handling letting fans back in and like what that like do fans sit courtside at pepsi center or is it up or like yeah they sit um just in that they sit in that first few um section in the first section they cut it in half and nobody sits there and then okay and then in the so in like the upper lower level kind of upper two levels you can sit there too See, that makes complete sense to me. And I just think it's so weird that like you look at a lot of these arenas that are now letting fans back in and they let fans sit courtside. And to me, that's just like so bizarre because the whole reason we can't like as journalists and stuff, we can't be close to them is because of contact. Mm -hmm. I get that makes, okay. But to me, like that kind of goes out the window when you have fans, Lord only knows like what they've been doing and who they've been with and where they've been. And like, is, is it, is it likely that they're going to pass COVID to someone or from the players? Like probably not, but to me, it's, it's just a little interesting. So I'm, it's like, I'm definitely keeping my eyes out on like what all the different cities and teams are allowing yeah yeah it's interesting especially if we can't be down there why should why can a fan be down there but I guess because right. they're paying for their seat is is gonna be the business yeah. side of things and that's how it always shakes out it seems here <laughs> yeah um, I'm interested to see sorry I'm interested to see what the Warriors do though because like we have to get tested to get into the arena and I know that they're doing that for fans too at Chase Center so I'm interested to see if we're all getting tested and we all know that we're all negative like what's I don't know it'll be interesting anyway (laughs) oh no fans and media don't have to be tested here to go to games so um that's definitely a plus I yeah I would that would suck more to go to games if you had to get tested yeah it's like I think for me the 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 most annoying part like the negative is just how early you have to get there because like you have to get there at like I get there at like four or five for like a 7 p.m game and like that's when I would get there pre-covid but that was to like schmooze with the players and you guys and all that stuff and now it's like you just sit 
at a little table by yourself and wait for your test results to come in. But it's nice knowing that you don't have COVID. So I guess push yeah. and pull type of thing. Yeah, right, right. Give, give and take, give and take. Give and take, yeah. <laughs> What's it like covering Steph? Because I know for, you know, those of us who cover teams and stuff, you get to know players really personally. And I'm sure that's a little bit different because of COVID right now. Right. What's it been like covering a guy, a player who likes Steph Curry? It's been really good. And, you know, I, I grew up here and watching like the Warriors. So I've watched Steph from a fan perspective, like pretty much my entire life up until five months ago when I got this job. Um, and there's like this, there's a perception that Steph is just like the super nice dude, right? Like he just, from the outside, at least I always saw, like he just seemed very simple yeah. you know like they're just you know never got too hot got too cold you never would expect any like bombshell to be broken yeah. about him and stuff and getting to know him like he is a he is a very nice guy he's very even keeled mm-hmm. you know there was one moment when the Warriors were losing that the cameras caught Steph like yelling at the team and like he never does that and everyone's like oh my god Steph is this, this must be bad if Steph's the one laying into them and stuff because he is just very, you know, even killed. But he's he can also be very insightful. Um, I remember earlier in the season, he passed Reggie Miller on the, like, all-time three-point, or maybe it was all-time scoring or all-point, all-time three points made or, so, like, some list he passed Reggie Miller. And, and Reggie Miller popped into the Zoom conference afterwards and we were all chatting and I asked him about like, did you ever think that you would change the game the way that you have? Cause like you've changed the way that people coach and start playing at a really young age. And just like the way he responded was very, like, you can tell he's remained very humble or like the other night, Chris Mullen popped into the zoom after he passed Will Chamberlain on the all time franchise list. And like, I, I thought Steph was going to start crying because his voice, like when he's responding, his voice had that like quiver in it. So you can just kind of tell like how much he loves this sport and how, you know, thankful and, and, and grateful he is. And also, but also there's like a true genuineness about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that there's like in his personal life, he's a little bit more, he has more levels yeah. than always be even keeled. But, you know, it's always nice to work with a guy of that caliber who's, who will always take the time to kind of talk with you and, and stuff like that. Went off for 53 last night. So annoying. I'm sure everyone thought the Nuggets are going to go in here, get this bounce back win against the Warriors. They're, they're minus four and a half favorites. Like they got to cover this. There's yeah. no way they don't, especially with the Warriors missing guys. And 
Warriors I mean, yeah, I entered, I literally did a radio hit before the game, like that morning, yesterday morning. And I literally said the same thing. I was like, the Nuggets ever since getting Gordon, or keep saying Gordon Hayward and it's Aaron Gordon. I don't, it's the Gordon thing. Ever since getting Aaron Gordon, they've been on a roll. They had that really bad loss to the Celtics and they're like, they're looking to bounce back. And especially against like a Warriors team that has really struggled this year, missing their starting center. They have, and the Nuggets have the best center. Like it's, it's plus and plus then even like besides Jokic, like I just thought that the Nuggets size was just going to like outright outmatch the Nuggets because then you have like JaVale McGee coming off the bench you have Jermichael Green and it's just like I just didn't then also with guards you have Michael Porter you have Jamal yeah. I was like cakewalk yeah. easy win for for Denver oh I for sure I was like easy bounce back not a big deal they'll get over the loss to the Celtics and just right, right on to winning back on track and today feels completely <laughs> derailing now like I literally could not get anything done until like noon today oh no scrolling and scrolling and reading about ACL injuries and everything what does this mean for Jamal how far out could this potentially um affect him so but your team the Warriors is actually going through a kind of similar situation different part of the timeline for them right now with Clay Thompson is there any sort of update you have on what I mean I'm sure you guys talk about it regularly out there, but for those Nuggets fans who don't necessarily pay attention to the Warriors yeah. that often, what's up with Clay and where's yeah. he at? So the last time we spoke with Clay was early March, late February, something like that. So we haven't spoken to him in a while, but when we did, I like when we did speak with him, it and from just like the sporadic updates that we get from Kerr, it seems like everything is moving moving on nicely for him and we asked clay about like a target date like do you think you'll be back at the start of next season like what are you thinking and he's you know he wants to be back if not like opening night with at the start of the season but he was sure to and i think also he kind of said this to tell himself this like to remind himself this is like he, when he does come back, he doesn't expect to come back as a player playing, you know, 30 minutes per game, putting up 25 points per night. You know, I think he's trying to temper his expectations for himself um, as well as, as, as fans and viewers as like, don't be super hard on me when I come back and I'm not the same guy that I was exactly when I left off. Cause it will have been, you know, over two years at that point when he, whenever he makes his return. Um, but it was super interesting hearing about the mind, like just the mindset that he's been in, because you think about the past year, how hard it's been on everyone um, just with the pandemic and spending a lot more time alone and all that stuff. And for him, it was like that plus you know, tearing ACL right after recovering from another injury. So it's like, or sorry, tearing his Achilles right after tearing his ACL um, and having that kind of just be like a snowball effect of then it can get kind of like dark places. 
Yeah. But with all that being said, you know, I think his, his rehab is on the right track. He's out of his boot. He's been on the sidelines. He's been traveling to all the games. He's been doing a little bit of on-court work. I'm not sure. I don't think that he's been like scrimmaging with the team or doing any like full plays with the team, but he's been getting his shots up um, and is, and has been very involved. My favorite thing that he has done that I feel everyone should know, because I think this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Clay's like super quirky and weird. Right. And I guess he lives somewhere in the East Bay. So across the Gold, or across the Bay Bridge. Mm-hmm. And Chase Center is where the practice facility is. And it's right on the water. So he literally takes one of those like boats that you pedal with your feet. Yeah. And he takes that to practice. To cross. Or like, yeah. Or you're like, he has like his own boat. And him and his dog will take the boat to practice and park it in the harbor. That's crazy. And run in. And I'm like, okay that's so awesome I love that that's hilarious um yeah well we'll have to get together again and do another one of these when we can talk about um you know a little bit further down the line for Clay and for Jamal you know because I always wonder what other guys who have gone through this kind of injury have advice wise for for guys going through it and I do think Clay you know, I appreciate players who are willing to talk about the mental and emotional side of, mm-hmm. of playing the game of basketball, because it's not just a physical game. It, it really isn't. And I think one guy who's really kind of dealing with some of that mental, emotional stuff right now, fatigue is Nikola Jokic. I, I'm not sure how much you've been keeping up with him as of recent, but he's struggling. He's reversing back to that Nicola who complains about every, every call and like goes back to that stuff. So hopefully um, it's something that can be talked about more often, because I do think like if everybody just talks about it and it's like, yeah, it's a real part of the game or, you know, and he can have some sort of, or, or things can be put in place so that players can like relieve some of that Totally. This season being squished in, to a short time period um, probably is a lot of what that has to do with it. And hopefully they never do that again. I know. Guys, but it seems like he's kind of reaching a brink. Obviously Jamal Murray's manifested in physical fatigue and, and an injury. And so, you know, so some guys have it physically and then they have to take on the mental and emotional part. And I'd love to know what clay would, you know, say to Jamal in this kind of situation, because it's, it was so disheartening. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, I agree. And I love it when players reach out to other players and, you know, Kevin Durant said that he had spoken with clay mm-hmm. and of course they were teammates and, and everyone, but everyone has their own relationship with different guys, depending. And, you know, it's a league of brothers and yeah, I mean, I would hope that seeing like the outpour of support that players have been giving on social media to Jamal, I, I always just hope that that actually translate into their personal, like private lives too. That I hope that they're having conversations that we know nothing about. And, and you know, you think back to a guy like Derek Rose who suffered a similar injury. Like, I, I don't know, like that when Jamal went down, like I thought of Derek Rose and it's like, like you just kind of hope that these guys who have been there before are reaching out to these relatively young players because Jamal's what he's like 24 you know so you hope that they have that support system with each other even if we know nothing about it yeah for sure um yeah I thought of Derek Rose too Zach Levine Mm -hmm. uh, another guy I thought of uh 
I do hope that somebody's reaching out to him. I really hope Jamal's with family more than anything. I hope yeah. he's in Canada soon. Seriously. With his, I'm sure he'll be with his dad. If not, he was with his dad already. Um, but I know how how close he is to his family and how much that means to him. I know people are reaching out because you see po- posts and everything. But yeah, I agree. Hopefully, it translates and and hopefully, I I hope Jamal kind of learns a lesson in just the sense kind of what I think Kawhi learned after his injury I think what LeBron has learned AD has learned over time in that like you're not less than because you've sustained injury you're not a less than person or a less than of a player because Mm -hmm. you need to rest your body a little bit more often I think that needs to be a dialogue that's out there amongst media members and stuff because it's so often like what how dare you know in the last such a good point televised game so that was that is is such a good point like I hadn't even thought about that now and Jamal is so that guy who is doesn't matter what it is he's gonna play through it and there's no shame in you're gonna become a better player and like your career will be that much longer and better sometimes yeah you just take that day it's a really good point Right. And I think it's so ironic how like people want to talk about, oh, it's a business, right? The NBA is a business whenever it's convenient for everybody. Well, if it's a business, then Jamal, as a part of that business, should be thinking about the longevity of that business and how much money he can make over the mm-hmm. course of the time of his career. And so he's going to make more money the healthier he is. So I really hope he learns right. to just, you know what, I don't need to be out there. I'm competitive as hell. That doesn't mean I'm less competitive than I am. I just, I can do it in less time. And the, and hopefully the Nuggets now with this addition of Aaron Gordon have put a little bit of support around him. So he doesn't always have to be out there. I 100% agree. Also, it makes more sense from an organization business point because they will like, they will make you more money if everyone's healthy and is playing really well. So it's, you know, if, if you look at it strictly as a business, there are still ways to not, make these people look like robots even if it's it's like if it's all about money for you then having a fully healthy roster will be better if that's the way that you view professional sports right yeah and and somebody this morning in our slack channel over at denver stiffs said to said to me well you know the trainer's job is to get the players ready to perform and be ready and available to perform on the court and i was like i've always thought of the trainer as the person who fixes, you know, who fixes me and protects me from returning to the game too soon. And like, that's really not their job. Their job is to actually have as many players available to the coach as possible. And it just felt so like gladiator, like ancient think way of thinking to think about it. It did not, it felt yucky to me to think like, ew, the trainer is like preparing the players to play and and is somebody telling Jamal is somebody saying to him you know yes the goal is to return to play Jamal wants to return to play but but also if you don't feel right don't do it you know don't right. yourself don't go out there because I in the same way kind of what happened with the Warriors a couple years ago in KD yeah sure KD had some people had people telling him because I'm pretty sure Steve Curry even talked about how they had a conversation and it was like it's you don't have to do this or right and stuff um and and katie wanted to you know and he chose to go out there and he wanted to play and then he gets gets injured and you're like oh it's killed. Yeah. 
it's killer. And I just hope somebody's advising Jamal in that way too, because he is a bit younger of a player, not like LeBron or KD who have been through a few, few injuries here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully if not, you know, he go, comes in, comes back and has that perspective now, because I really, I don't want to watch it. Watching him get injured is the worst. Oh my God. No, any, uh, any injury is just like, it's just no fun. Yeah. All of them suck. No fun at all. Yeah. Ironically, I was going to mention to you, I thought last night when Jamal went down, I thought, God, I bet he wishes he could text Kobe and talk to Kobe (sighs) about this. And you and I sat together the day Kobe passed. We were together through, as we mentioned already in today's pod, through that whole experience and we were totally robbed of a Jamal Murray interview that day. Jamal left the stadium super early or something. He didn't want to comment on on Kobe, which understandable since they were close and had a personal relationship and everything. But I don't think he ever ended up commenting. Do you remember? Did he ever comment anything? Or did we ever get yeah. an answer from him on just what that meant to him? I don't think we did. I, I'm trying to remember, and I, I can't fully remember. Like, I remember there was one time that, like, we talked, and he got super emotional, and this was, like, before the bubble, but I but I think if he did, it was very brief, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't super drawn out but I could just be making that up in my brain I don't I feel like I blacked out from in that moment (laughs) and there was a lot of talking to Jamal after those those series in the bubble and everything but yeah it just came across my mind like oh we never even got to got that chance to interview him after that game and hear his thoughts and now he's going through something that I'm sure he wishes his mentor was here to go through with him but Again, you know, he's got his dad and stuff, but just yeah. a tough, tough way to go into this interview with you. That I know, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. The one thing I did want to ask you, though, was for the Warriors right now, what does a successful season look like coming out of this, this kind of crush yeah. season? What is a successful season? What would they be happy with? going into next season because they're not at full force and I think Nuggets fans and Nuggets the Nuggets might you know eventually need to be accepting of what is you know what might happen with Jamal yeah well the Warriors are in just like a super interesting position but I I think what we have 19 games left at this point 18 games left at this point I think the Warriors will have to go I think I saw this last night on Twitter so I should probably fact check it but they'd have to go something like 10 and 8 to end the game end the season at 500 okay I think that at this point get like finishing the season above 500 and winning a play-in game would be a successful season and more so than I mean I think at this point in the standings if they make it into the playing games they will be above 500 just the way that the seating I think right now something like that um I but I I do think that not only making it to a playing game but winning a playing game would mark a successful season at least in their eyes because they've had to adjust their their mindset um from 
that like dynastic run that they had for the past decade it feels like to last season you know winning like 15 games to this season just being what it is and it's just being super wacky and so like they've had to adjust their their like their like they have very I I say that they have very expensive tastes because like once you win at that level nothing else is ever going to touch that level yeah but they have to understand that that's not who they are anymore and so I think this in this season for them was they wanted it to be a bounce back from last season like last season was not a fluke but it was we're in like Steph and Steph's injured Clay's injured first year without Katie all these new guys yeah all this stuff so it's it's our it's our adjustment year you know right and then this year it was well we're gonna be back right like that was the whole conversation they're gonna be back in the top five of the west it's like no that that's just not not and especially over the off season when like the Suns got Chris Paul and and you know all the other movement it's like no it's just the West got the West got way better and so it's like this season has been I think really disappointing for them because they set their expectations rather high and they haven't lived up to it so I think at this point just getting past the play-ins and into the playoffs would be a good sign because I think it's like miss the playoffs once okay a lot went down last year but miss the playoffs twice you seriously have to start assessing what's going on and how did you drop so far so quickly yeah yeah definitely well I mean I think it's good though that they have are able to like adjust and stuff and that's Mm -hmm. what I was kind of referring to with the Nuggets you know I think that fans and and the Nuggets themselves, Coach Malone, his staff, are going to have to change and adjust their expectations when and if, depending on how long this rehab will be for them all. But I don't think they're totally out of it. They have that addition of Aaron Gordon, and I was going to ask you, what do you think this is the Nuggets are doomed situation, or do you think they still can contend with the lineup they have without I mean, I think, I think that there's still going to be a deep playoff team. I, I don't, I don't know if they'll get as far, but I don't, I think the Nuggets are blessed with like a, just a super talented, deep roster. Right. So it's like, it's not like you lose Jamal and you lose everything this team has. Um, But I mean, they definitely lost a big part of not only like kind of what you were saying earlier not only like their on court like scoring and production but their grit and grind like if you think back to the bubble would they have won either of those 3-1 comebacks if Jamal wasn't in there like like you know I heard stories of the team had packed their bags and Jamal was the one saying no like what like what are you doing like we're not like you guys are literally quitting like what are you what is going on here was is someone else gonna take that on and and like you hope that someone would so I don't think that they're like doomed but I do think you know especially after getting Aaron Gordon and myself included everyone's expectations for this team went like higher than they were before and so now it's just about kind of tempering it but I was also going to say like next year assuming that he's gonna miss next if part of next season if not all of it I think an important thing what we've seen here with the Warriors with 
someone like Clay is like, you have to plan for the the present and the future, meaning the Nuggets are going to have to plan for how are we going to replace Jamal, but how are we going to do it in a way that he's going to, like, we know he's coming back. So how are we going to replace him in a way that we can be successful now, but not in a way that when he comes back, someone's going to like lose their job or, or we're going to have to make really tough decisions. And that's what the Warriors have faced with like, okay, you get Kelly Oubre, who is going to help them now. And then when he, when Clay comes back, he'll be a good sixth man. He'll be really good off the bench. And someone else who is lower is probably going to have to be cut from the roster. So it's just like, I think it's important to remember if they do end up struggling a bit, particularly next season after the draft and free agency and all that stuff, it'll, it'll, it won't be exactly what it was because no one can exactly replicate what Jamal does unless you go get a star. But why would you get a star when right. you expect your star to come back fully healthy? Yeah. Yeah, what I think what most fans are hoping is that Michael Porter Jr. is able to take that big leap and fill kind of he I think what I saw was Jamal's averaging like 16 and a half attempts a game. So if if MPJ could take those attempts and really kind of between him and Aaron Gordon split them up and run pick and roll Aaron Gordon and Jokic run pick and roll MPJ and Jokic maybe they can make up for that offensive side of the ball they'll obviously have Jamal I'm sure Jamal will still be with the team heart and soul you know and probably be the court side if he can't you know coaching half the time he's there and standing next to Malone yelling and (laughs) red in the face so um I'm sure we'll still have his spirit with the team but yeah big blow and it just seemed fitting for us to talk after a crazy event in the last like two years I know we've experienced so many of them in the NBA now and with this Jamal Murray injury yesterday, I was just like, oh, I got to talk to Kendra and catch up with your thoughts on this whole thing. Ugh, I know. Well, the other good thing for the Nuggets they have working in their favor is like Monte Morris has been there for quite like he's and he's filled in for Jamal before. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a bonus is like when like there'll be some bench adjustments and like some rotational adjustments. But Monte is very experienced with playing alongside Jokic and MPJ and those guys. Yeah. And does that, I mean, does that mean like Faku is going to have to play more of this, you know, point guard? And I don't know what their full rotation is right now. Cause like with Gary gone, I know that the shooting guard position in the rotation is probably switched up a bit, right. but it's like, they, they have a lot of good guards on that team who are familiar with how they play. So that should hopefully help cushion at least, you know, some of, of what they've lost. Yeah. That will, this will be my final question to you, Kendra. Okay. <laughs> Did anybody ask anyone on the Warriors yesterday, especially Steph about Faku at all? And just how annoying he was because Steph was definitely annoyed during that game with Faku's defense. He did. He was asked that. Um, what did he say? I have to remember what Steph said. I know. I think, and I think Steph acknowledged it too, if I remember correctly. Um, and I think he commended Faku on his defense. And I mean, because he, <laughs> Faku deserves it, right? Like, I mean, I, re- I, I remember when, when I, and I actually, I think I leaned over to the person I was sitting next to and said, that's like, that's why they got that guy. Like, I just remember when, when they signed Faku, like 
Malone would just go on and on and on about how much of a pest he is defensively. And I was like, that's literally that right. Well, I mean, he's also a great shooter, but that like, that's one of the, or not shooter, sorry, passer. Yeah. He's an all right. He shot well last night for sure. He did. But I was like, that's like literally it because he's such a little. Oh, it is. It gets under people's skin. He definitely yeah. is. Yeah. There was a point in the game when Steph said, from our camera angle, you could see Steph said something like, get him off me or something. <laughs> and then he he drained the bucket. And I was just like, I mean, kudos to Faku for like just being the most annoying person on the I court mean, at all times. That's, I mean, for some people though, it's like some people, some players, you know, you can only slow them down a certain amount. So the best, if you can't stop them physically, mess with them mentally and see if that does the trick. And I feel like Faku is really good at that. Like Steph is going to get, you know, no, he's not always going to go to 53, but he's going to get his, his buckets. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can't get a hand in his face, get in his head a little bit and at least make him frazzled and make him frustrated, like make him feel you. And Faku definitely did that. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to watch. It was a, it would have been a very fun game and exciting game for Steph's accomplishment. Yes. If it hadn't been for the very difficult last 58 seconds for, for Nuggets fans. But I really appreciate you coming on to our very first episode of chicken nuggets grilled edition. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Since, you know, I'm grilling you on all these. Okay. <laughs> oh, I get it. I like that. Yes. Yes. And of course, <laughs> nuggets grilled. So yes. we have to keep the food in there. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure. Yes. I miss you so much. I miss you. It, it's been weird being at a distance, but I'm so glad that we can still do things like this and check in every once in a while. So and let me know when you come visit and we'll do something. Yes, I'm definitely going to go out there now and I'm just going to eat all the food in your neighborhood. All of food. All of food. <laughs> yes. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Chicken Nuggets Grilled Edition. Thanks for listening, guys. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.